Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now your ears do not deceive you you've just entered the cryptid creator corner brought to you by your friends at comic book yeti so without further ado let's get on to the interview all right, welcome to Comic Book Yeti's Cryptid Creator Corner. This is Jimmy Gasparro, the interview content editor for Comic Book Yeti. And I am very excited today that I have with me um, the artist for the second half of Resonant, uh, as well as another vault comic, Relics of Youth. And uh, in particular, right now, DC's Trial of the Amazons. Please welcome Skylar Patridge. Uh, to the podcast. Hey there. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, thanks very much for um for joining me. Um I'm uh I'm I'm a big fan. Uh big fan Thank of you. Resonant. I think that's where I first came across your work, um, that second arc of Resonant. And I uh, just I, I love the story. I loved uh David Andrews uh, writing and it was a really great uh creative team which uh I want to talk uh, more about a little bit later, um, but I, I just wanted to start uh, and, and get a sense of when did you start in terms of comics? Where did uh, where did that come from to want to work in comics? To want to work in comics, I think happened probably. God, I don't know. <laughs> um, this is this year is actually my seventh year, like trying to make it. So. Somewhere seven to eight years ago was when I kind of decided right. I was going to actually go for it and not just dream about it. Um, but the the seed of like comics and, and wanting to at least have them in my life in some way was very early. Um, I had an older brother and I wanted to do everything he did. So it was very <laughs> much, you know, he read comics and, and he watched, you know, uh, Batman and X-Men and, and all those TV shows. And so I wanted to do all that stuff too. And it, so that seed was planted very young. Um, and I was always artistically inclined. So, you know, reading comics, watching those cartoons, that just kind of naturally started to show up in, in my work. And, and I kind of always gravitated toward a more comic book style. Um, so uh, that was kind of where it started. And then I kind of always had art in my life to some, for some, in some way. Um, so going from childhood into high school into college and it kind of always stayed there and in and out of all sorts of various jobs uh, but comics and art kind of was always always in the side and so within the last you know like I said seven or eight years when it really started to seem like something I could do and something I wanted to do and I was in a position where I could actively pursue that kind of career so, so it's oh, awesome. been a long journey and lots of twisted turns but but finally got there. <laughs> you're, you're, you're here now. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, I have a younger brother and a younger sister and, and growing up, I, I, you know, it was the same thing, whatever I liked or was into, they were always, you know, kind of next in line wanting to see, you know, what I was doing. But at a certain point they, they, you know, broke out and had their own, you know, interests. Um, did you get to a point where you gravitated towards not just watching the cartoons or seeing what your older brother did, but finding comics that you yourself that spoke to you or that, you know, um, you really enjoyed and read when you were younger? Yeah, I think, um, I want to say probably around junior high, middle school was when, uh, sorry, my headphones going out on me. Can you still hear me okay? I can, yes. Okay. Um, junior high was about the time when I think I started uh, gravitating to other storylines. So growing up, you know, I picked up whatever my brother was reading, whatever he had lying around. So, you know, there was G.I. Joe stuff, ROM, um, Transformers things, uh, X-Men, uh, Avenger, like all of the stuff you think of when you think of comic books. Sure. Um, and then when I got a little bit older, I was kind of interested in, in a, a bunch of different storylines. So I was, I found, um, I think back in the early 2000s, there was CrossGen came out, which oh, was okay. later, later bought up by Marvel, but at the time right. it was like its own thing. Um, and they did a bunch of different storylines. And uh, so I, found several within that line that I liked and that was kind of spurring me to to look that was kind of the impetus for me looking elsewhere for things that weren't just superheroes and cape stories um nothing wrong with cape stories I love the cape story but that was kind <laughs> of the thing that got me looking uh, and kind of trying to figure out what other stories I wanted to read in comics and so I would say junior high 12 13 14 was kind of when I started breaking away from what I had been reading and, and watching as a kid oh okay and and then to fast forward a little bit, you went to Western Illinois um, yes. uh, University, correct? Yep. Um, and so uh, by that time, before you you headed there, did you know when you got there you're going there for you know graphic design, some type of illustration? No, <laughs> I had no idea. I had no idea what I was doing. I still don't, but I definitely didn't know what I was doing when I got there. No, I just majored in art with a minor in theater, so you can tell I'm a planner. Um, <laughs> All right. A minor in theater. A minor nice. in theater, yeah. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I, I majored in art, minored in theater. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I, I kind of guess I just figured, thought I figured out at some point. Um, mm -hmm. So I just took as many classes as I could uh, that, that fit within that, that general BA um, and eventually I, I found graphic design. There was a, there was a professor there who was, he was kind of a, he did some cartooning and he did, um, all sorts of like structural sculpture and stuff like that, but he was very encouraging and kind of encouraged me to explore graphic design a little bit more. Um, and then just happened to meet somebody who was working at the, the college newspaper and they just happened to need a cartoonist. So that kind of like ushered me into applying my study a little bit more directly into cartooning. Um, so I spent, I think, a year or two years actually cartooning for the, the university newspaper. Oh, cool. um, but even then, <laughs> I, I got all the way through school, got the degree, and still had no idea. Like still, comics was just a thing other people did still at that point. Um, even though I had actually been 
working for a newspaper and cartooning and doing that kind of stuff. It still didn't seem like something I could take with me into adulthood and, and into a career. So that started my whole like four or five year journey of like food service and, uh, you know, receptionist and all number of, of day jobs to fill in the paychecks. Uh, and it really wasn't until I kind of hit a plateau with, I was working in food service and I'd been managing um, a chocolate shop and just completely burned out and was just okay. overworked and tired. And, and as the food service industry tends to burn people out. Um, sure. And so that was kind of hit, hit rock bottom a little bit as far as careers go and, and, you know, making a living. And so I kind of started to look back at something that had previously been following me all through my life, which was art, comics, cartooning. And I hadn't been doing it for probably four or five years at that point. And so I kind of pivoted back to that and started looking for work that um, put me around other people that were doing that kind of work and, and started to try to draw again, which felt like, you know, running a marathon after not having exercised in several months. So it, was, it felt <laughs> awful and terrible for a while. <laughs> but finally, you know, got myself into a, a position to start making artwork a little bit more regularly and, and sort of righted the ship after several years of not having any art or comics in my life. <laughs> wow. Um, during that period of time, um, were you still, were, were comics in your life at all? Were you still kind of keeping like a toe in the water even as to what was going on in the industry or were you just focused on day jobs and that type of thing? Um, I would say once I graduated from school, no, I was very much out of it. I, did, I think I kind of, I was still very much into the culture of it. You know, I, I still, you know, loved my superheroes and, and I loved the, the culture surrounding, you know, TV shows and, and, and the comics and the books and everything that was happening, but I wasn't really, I didn't have my finger on the pulse of anything that was going on. Um, okay. It was, I don't know, anybody who's listening maybe knows this if they've worked in food service. My experience in food service was that, that took my whole life, um, trying to, you know, work enough to get a large enough paycheck to pay your bills and your rent. And it took every ounce of my my mental energy to just do that job. Um, so I didn't have a lot of time for drawing and creative outlets. Sure. And so, yeah, I would say I didn't really start paying attention much to comics again for God, maybe six or seven years after I graduated. It took a long oh, okay. time for me to kind of, you know, get myself back into it. There, you know, there would be something might come out and I might read, you know, like a, a one shot or a mini or, or a friend would send something my way. Cause they know I like comics. Um, right. but yeah, it wasn't really something that, that I kept my finger on the pulse after I graduated school. So yeah, okay. it's, it's been within the last, you know, I've, I definitely feel like I am more now <laughs> just kind right. of as a necessity, but also because I have more of that mental energy to put toward it and, oh, and actually okay. appreciate, appreciate comics more. Nice. Um, I, I want to go back because you, you were at, in college, you were a theater, was a theater minor. Yeah. So what, what I, um, I, I went to St. Joe's in Philly and they, they, um, 
I didn't minor in theater, but I, I was involved in the theater at St. Joe's, so I'd be remiss if I didn't. I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about or ask you about um, what drew you to to theater. Did, did you, was it musical theater? Was it straight plays? Was it some other aspect of the theater? It was kind of the whole thing. Um, my, my mother is actually, she was a costumer. So I grew up okay. getting, taken to, getting taken to plays, musical theater. Um, and my grandmother was also a big proponent of the arts. So I got dragged to a lot of, a lot of plays <laughs> and musicals as a kid and just kind of fostered that love of it early. So I've always been drawn to, to stage performance, uh, just performance in general. I'm no singer. Um, I love watching other people sing. Um, <laughs> And uh, that's yeah, kind of where my, my, I'm limited in that skill set, yeah. Um, but so it was, it was kind of one of those things where I wanted to minor in it and just take some classes. And I was, I was predominantly interested in set design and costuming um, because that was just always something that I was really interested in. And the design element was something that was always appealing. So those were, those were my favorite courses to take. Um, as far as like performance and that kind of thing, not, not my best suit, but mm -hmm. it was something that's kind of a necessity. You kind of have to do it if you minor or, you know, minor or major, either one, there's a select number of courses you have to take. So um, there is that element of, of theater that I do like, but it's, I'm definitely drawn more to the design element of, of theater. And performance. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but <laughs> there's, there's a lot of that in, uh, in theater there's a lot of opportunity for that so yeah uh, so once you once you did start getting back into comics once you're kind of getting burnt out you said you were managing a chocolate shop mm -hmm. so once you get to that point um how where do you turn how do you how do you get started again in terms of drawing and then how do you go about finding that that group of people you know to, to find like your your group of people that's going to help propel you into what it is you do next? I mean, I think as with, with anything, um, but especially in, in creative fields, there's a certain amount of luck that comes into situations. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it, it comes down to ability and decision-making and, and those kinds of things as well. But at the time, I was really fortunate that I happened to have a friend who knew somebody who owned a comic art gallery in the town that I was in. And oh, so yeah. I had some experience working in galleries uh, when I was in school. So I had that work experience that I could take in and, and interview. They were looking for somebody to basically run their front desk when they ran shows, keep track of things. Um, and so they were able to get me, my friend was able to get me an interview with this gallery. And that put me in uh, sort of a circle of local artists who were making comics, uh, submitting to the shows there. And that kind of led to the next thing, which was, well, maybe you should do the, the convention here in town, you know, do the local comic convention that happens in the summer. And then that led to, well, why don't you do this other show that's in this next town over? And that kind of led to, well, why don't you do this bigger show that's in the next state over? And it was kind of this, you know, baby stepping up as the I got more, as, as I got a broader and broader circle and, and started making more art and, you to build that portfolio up. And so what led to, what was it that, that led you to, um, to Resonant? Was that your first vault series or was Relics of Youth first? Relics of Youth was actually the first one. Yeah. Okay. That one was, um, I want to say 
2019, I think, was when, or 2018, one of the Okay. <laughs> what is time? I can't remember now. And, and nobody um, knows. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, it, that was the first one. And then uh, I got asked to join Resonant uh, in between when they had their, their hiatus between the first and second. Okay. So what is that like when, in terms of Resonant, when you have to, you, you have to, you come into a second arc, um, are you trying to adapt your style to the artist that has come before in the first arc? Or are you just taking, you know, fully your, your own approach? Um, I mean, we, we think of artistic teams switching more commonly in big two books rather than indie or creator own books, but it, it certainly happens for various and sundry reasons. But what was your approach to, to doing that when you, when you came on board? Um, well, Resonant was like, it had such a noticeable um, established look. Like it was such a vibrant kinetic story. So I knew prior to that I'd been working um, in Relics, I'd been working pretty cleanly. And so I knew I kind of wanted to adjust my style a little bit. I didn't want to um, try to mimic uh, Ollie's work, Ollie uh, Aragon, but I wanted to mitigate a little bit of that like shock of, you know, when you have an artist change suddenly and it almost pulls you out of the story. I wanted to try and make that as smooth of a transition into the second arc as possible, which kind of pu pushed me uh, to, to bring some looser line work in, uh, play around more with screen tones and get a little bit more of that kinetic energy that Ali brought uh, in that first arc. So yeah, it, it definitely, um, I didn't want to completely overhaul the way that I draw, but it did push me to kind of experiment with how I do draw and how I lay out pages. And um, it was, I told, I told DB that it was definitely kind of an artistic kick in the butt uh, to, <laughs> I don't, can I swear on here? I'm censoring myself. I, I, go ahead. I don't, I don't, I still, this is like the third or fourth one. Byron O'Neill also hosts uh, as well. I, I, I don't fully know what all the rules are, so just go right ahead. We'll, we'll be fine. Okay, okay. You can beat me out. That'll be even better. <laughs> if, we need, yeah, if we need to, we'll, we'll do it. Uh, all right, all right. I think our rule yeah, is... Was, that was kind of the creative kick in the ass, so. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I guess this is... I, I fell in love with Resonant from the very beginning. Um, I've been a big fan of a lot of the vault titles and resonant in particular, just the, the, the closeness of the family. Um, uh, Andrew's writing, David Andrew's writing, I, I thought was just phenomenal in terms of it. And then, um, I, I mean, the, the first arc as well, your arc when you came in and it's, um, it's Jason wordy on colors and Darren Bennett lettering. Um, yeah, it, it was just a an excellent ten issue uh, series. Uh, were there any uh, pages, panels, issues, things in particular that you're really proud of um, that you contributed to it? Um, specific pages. I I don't know if I can say any one specific thing. I think honestly, just getting a chance to work with that creative team. Um, and, and, you know, attempt to hold my own with them because that creative team is such a powerhouse. Um, as you said, DB has such a knack for hitting those 
small moments of family and warmth and sentimentality set against this chaotic backdrop. Like he's just so good at having a lot, having a broad story that feels uh, the urgency is there. The, the stakes are high. Like he can build mm-hmm. a world uh, where things feel dire, but at the same time, he could still give you those moments where you kind of have a little, you're wiping your tear away. You know, he's very good mm-hmm. at hitting emotional elements within, within uh, very intense, scary stories. Uh, and so I feel like, I can't point to one thing within the arc that I'm I'm super proud of. I think just getting that chance to work with Wardy and DB and Tim Daniel and Darren was getting a chance to work with them and hopefully hang with them. I think they would agree that I, I was able to hang a little bit. Um, <laughs> that was that was probably the best part. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, well, I I think you definitely did. I, I think you were able to hang <laughs> with everybody. Um, I think it was the, just in particular, I really liked the pacing, uh, both in terms of uh, how I, I imagine it was scripted, but in terms of your work, I think it was the, after the, the, the shipwreck, it was almost a silent t- couple of pages um, uh, that highlighted Fern, <laughs> the, the <Yeah>. dog. I, <laughs> but I, that, that whole issue was, was excellent. And everything leading up to that, that spire, there's other individuals that um, uh, the main character's name escapes me. Uh, what was it? Paxton. Um, oh yeah. Paxton. Yeah. In terms of the, uh, the others that he found um, where things, I don't want to spoil it if anybody hasn't read it yet, <laughs> but um, the teases well, something- to those issues were surprising. Um, just was unexpected for the tone of the book that far and then when it hits it all makes sense in terms of you know the world that that he has found and what leads him then to to try and make his way back to his family but um just some just excellent comic booking all around so thank you yeah it was it was definitely a privilege to be part of it (laughs) and so um i i I guess after then i've i've noticed quite a few covers that have your your name to it and I wanted to ask in particular about, you know, cover work. Like, what is kind of your, your approach? Do you have, do you, depending on what it is, are you given like a kind of a set of guidelines or are you told this is what this story is about and then you can kind of go to work? Um, I'm just always curious as to about what information you have when you're coming in, not part of the like artistic team for the rest of the book, but to create a cover. In particular, I'm thinking of, I think it's the one you did for Dauntless's Eat My Flesh, Drink My Blood, like the yeah. special cover you did for that. If anyone listening, Google it. It's incredible. <laughs> um, so how do you, what information are you typically given? How do you do that when you're like, when you're creating a cover for something that, you know, maybe you're not involved with? the interior work how do you do how do you how do you approach it it varies uh from from project to project usually i'm given um depending on on the state of the project some some stuff they come to me and it's done and they just they need a variant cover or they just want to have a a punch you know punch up a a secondary cover cover b or something like that and so they give me um several pages or they'll give me character breakdowns. Um, it, I've gotten everything from, you know, just basic bare bones 
this is the storyline and here's some sketches of the characters to here is the book. And, you know, I can actually read through and actually for Eat My Flesh, Drink My Blood, I believe um, Frankie White actually sent me, he sent me the full script and then the character sketches for the characters. And then okay. I think maybe some concept art. Um, and so it, yeah, it, it'll vary from like a finished book to character sketches and, and sort of the breakdown of the plot. And then some, some people kind of have an idea what they want, um, which is totally cool. And some people just let you go nuts. Um, so it, it, it totally varies. Uh, usually I like a little guidance, um, but having that openness, like Frankie was amazing because he was like, this is what we're thinking and just be sexy and bloody with it. And so that was amazing. <laughs> like, that's a great prompt. <laughs> so, and you know, I knew, right. I knew that it, there was, there was a religious element to, uh, sure. or like a, a cult element to the story as well. Yeah. So that I tried to pull in some, some religious iconography into yeah. that design as well. And so, yeah, I, I feel like a little guidance is good. Give me a prompt and then kind of let me go run with that. Nice. Yeah, I think if I had to think of three words to describe the eat my flesh, drink my blood cover that you did, it would be sexy, bloody, and Catholic. Uh yeah, yeah, that's great. That's, that's it. <laughs> There's a sales pitch uh, for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... Um, and so uh, now, in addition to uh, the cover work that you have that's ongoing, um, uh, you are now working on DC's uh, Trial of the Amazons. Issue one, I believe, just came out yesterday from when we're recording mm -hmm. this because uh, uh, DC releases on, on Tuesdays now. So how did, I, I mean, the number of, there's a number of writers and a number of artists, uh, uh, you know, involved in the Trial of the Amazons. I think it's the first Wonder Woman crossover event in a number of years that's, I think it's going to be six or yeah. seven issues altogether. Um, so how did, how did, how did your, how did you become involved in that? And what, with so many different writers and artists involved, what is your, I guess, you know, how is that done at a company like, like DC that might be different from creator own to divvy out all the tasks and how, you know, to make sure everything is seamless and cohesive? Um, that, I think all of the credit goes to the amazing editors involved um, and keeping everybody in line and, and making sure that, that uh, people are getting their stuff in and, and we're all communicating with each other. Um, and that Brittany Holzer was, I believe I'm saying her name correctly, uh, was the editor on Trial of the Amazons. And she's done an amazing job of, of it being encouraging and, and keeping us kind of all connected and, and figuring out what each artist is doing. Um, that was definitely, I think, a challenging part for her as well as us as the artists and writers was staying in communication with one another and communicating uh, references for what we were doing because some of the scenes it's literally the same scene and then it's an artist change so trying to make sure that the art isn't too jarring from one artist to the next artist and that that scene still flows through okay um, so yeah kind of I would give all all of the credit of uh, coordinating a book like that to the editors and keeping us all in line. <laughs> <laughs> um, was this your first, is this your first DC like project in terms of event project? 
Uh, for an event like this, yeah. The, well, okay. I, I think the first thing I did for DC was actually the DC Pride last spring. So I worked on the question, the Renee Montoya, the question uh, short for the DC Pride anthology that came out. That was my oh, okay. first DC thing. And then that kind of led into some smaller gigs and then got the got the invite to be part of the trial uh, last year. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Um, has there been a, a character that you've gotten to draw that you, you know, were looking forward to or that was exciting that you discovered like, oh, I get to, I get to do this. I get to play with this character that you're, you know, able to say. <laughs> oh, I mean, I think everything I've gotten to do at DC has felt like dream stuff. Um, <laughs> like I love her name on Toya. And then I got, I actually, I did uh, Gotham City Villains, which was, that came out last November. I got to do a short in there with uh, Dan Waters. And so I got to draw Batman. I got to draw Damien. Uh, I got to draw Gotham. Like, I mean, there, there's just been a lot of stuff I've been, I feel like it's been bucket list things that I've gotten to draw. Right. And then for trial, um, I got to draw Diana. And I mean, that's like bucket, bucket list character stuff. And then I feel like I, I mentioned to a friend of mine, you know, like I, I knew of Artemis, I liked her, but I didn't have like the, the love for that character that, you know, I do for Diana or like Supergirl, you know, some of those are some of like my heartfelt characters, but in getting that chance to draw Artemis for, I got to do a short in the back of Wonder Woman, um, a four, four part short leading up to Trial of the Amazons. So I got kind of custom or not a custom but I got you know more uh exposure to Artemis as a character and, and Vida Ayala has written that um and just kind of fell in love with that character as well so that that fostered a, a new love for a new character or a newer character to me um and I think that's always kind of something that happens the the more time you spend with a character usually the more that you grow to love them yeah, that's, I, I hopefully, imagine. Hopefully you don't go to hate them, but you, they might, you never know. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. And you, you've certainly got to work with, um, I mean, some of the writers in terms of, you mentioned Dan Waters and Vita Ayala, and I know you were involved with the um, the women of Marvel. You did the wild rhino chase, so you got to draw rhino and uh, She-Hulk and work with uh, Nadia Shamus, is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that was yeah, a great short, too. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I always I always like to get a chance to kind of um stretch my legs with action because there's it's a whole, you know, going back to theater and blocking. Like there's a whole skill set within learning learning how to kind of set those scenes up. And sometimes, you know, a, a writer might know exactly what they want that to look like and that's totally cool. And sometimes they're just like they fight and you just have to kind of figure out how to make it look cool. Mm -hmm. And it can be a real challenge, but it's also a lot of fun. And that was something that Resonant was a lot of fun with as well. There was, there was so much action happening in that second arc that it really pushed me to figure out how to make action scenes, the action scenes within that storyline, dynamic and interesting and, and keep, the, keep the story moving forward at the same time. And in order to do that, do you use, you know, reference? Do you look for photo reference? Do you, you have, do you like, are you taking photos of yourself in different poses to see what it looks like? Um, <laughs> yes. I, yes. I, I, There's I, a whole, whole album on my phone and it probably is 
very incriminating of all my dumb posing. Uh, <laughs> oh, I only share the cool ones online. The rest oh, of them are good. just like, atrocious. But uh, yeah, there's there's lots of reference pictures that I take of myself um, for you know we're you know because you want to get some cool angles and I also I've recommended to other people I usually will look for like stunt work on YouTube um, and you know sometimes you can find that easy sometimes you kind of have to dig for it but looking for stunt actors doing you know, their stunt work on the wires and stuff like that and kind of studying that and getting a sense for how somebody might move. Um, but I try not to rely too heavily on reference, especially for action, just because you can wind up getting stiff. If you're referencing a little too closely, it can feel a little too posed. Um, okay. And that's what I liked about Resonant so much was because I was sort of adjusting my style to feel a little bit more um, animated. I was able to kind of fudge with lines a little bit and fudge with perspective and fudge with uh, motion. I also wanted to ask, what else do you have? What's next? I noticed that, I don't know what you can talk about, but I, I know that Vault has teased Nightfall that you're a part of. I know they have their Nightfall line, but it seemed like um, there's something coming in terms of uh, D.B. Andrea mentioned a Nightfall double feature, which mentioned some of the, you know, creators involved in the autumnal and resonant. And um, I, I don't know how much you can say, if anything, about what you're working on. Um, well, it's, there's still kind of a lot of things being hammered out at this point. So there's, there's not a whole lot that I can talk about at this point. Um, but it is, it's the, the plot and the autumnal and resonant that those creative teams and it's basically musical chairs. So all the teams that um, had been on those previous three books will be switching up. So I'll be working with Daniel Cross from the autumnal and uh, Tim Daniel and DB are working with, I believe Chris Sheehan. Um, so yeah, the, everybody's kind of getting switched around and oh, nice. so we'll see, we'll see what shakes out from that. That's exciting. Um, and uh, any other projects that you're working on or the, you know, you have, um, you've coming out other than, and I know, I'm sure it's a lot of work dealing with, uh, or not dealing with, but, you know, drawing the, the Wonder Woman stuff, but anything else on your, on your plate? Yeah, I'm actually, I'm working on, um, I have a graphic novel that I'm actually working on wrapping up this spring. That's a, it's a modern fantasy story that I'm working on and should be coming out through Dark Horse with Alex DeCampi. And that one oh. is, that's an epic. It's like a, a 300 page graphic novel. So there'll be lots to check out when I'm hoping that'll be toward the end of the year when I think that will start wrapping up and we'll be able to talk a little bit more about, about what's in store for that. Oh, um, but yeah, fantastic. modern, it's a, it's a modern fantasy and it's sort of, uh, magic starts seeping into our world so it's it's kind of following a family as they're trying to deal and just live their lives while magic is sort of taking over and it's dangerous and um, nobody really understands it and, and as as humans are prone to do we just want to throw bullets and bombs at it but that doesn't work so it's it's watching this family kind of try to just live their lives as in kind of in the shadow of chaos Wow. Oh, I'm in. All right. I'll, I, <laughs> I will, uh, you know, 
add it to my pull list or pre-order or whatever I need to do. That yeah, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully I can talk about it a little bit more and give people a little bit better understanding and share a little bit more about it as the year moves up forward. And so. Fantastic. Um, so what about when you're not drawing, you know, or working on comics? What, what type of things, you know, do you like to do to either unwind or de-stress or, you know, deal with the past two years and, you know, ongoing have been a global pandemic, uh, you know, do you have any other, do you have time for any other hobbies? Um, Not right now. I haven't actually, (laughs) I think that's generally, generally what I do is, is draw most days. I kind of wake up and I draw and I walk my dogs and draw some more and then go to bed. Um, (laughs) And you know, the last two years that's been great because nobody's been going anywhere or doing anything. Yeah. Um, But historically, I mean, I, I, I'm a big reader, so usually in my free time I would I would read. In my free time I would draw a lot because that was also like a de-stressor for me as a kid, and you know into young adulthood that was always kind of something I did to, to chill out. So I still do that, even though drawing is my job. I still have you know, for the end of the day a lot of times I've got sketchbooks and stuff that I kind of they're just there for things that I may never show anybody or just stuff for fun for me and then kind of your brain that the work part of your brain off and lets you relax a little bit um prior to the pandemic uh, i used to do krav maga that was kind of my like big de-stressor was was uh, doing that kind of that kind of exercise oh wow and i haven't cool. been doing it now because generally you know you're kind of up in people's faces a lot so that's not really conducive yeah. to, to the pandemic but <laughs> prior to prior to everything getting locked down that was one of my other kind of, I guess I would call it a hobby. It was something I did because I enjoyed it. It was a good de-stressor. Oh, nice. Is that something mm-hmm. you think you'll get, you know, back into at some point? I hope so. It's it's definitely, um, it's definitely one of the most strenuous kinds of exercise, any kind of like combat sport like that. Um, and I miss having that level of fitness. I felt like... I don't have that anymore because I basically sit and draw all the time now for the last few years. And so I definitely feel not quite as fit as, as I did prior to COVID. (laughs) I don't know if anyone does. So (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) It's been a long two years. (laughs) Yeah, it has. Um, Well, you mentioned in terms of reading, what type of, you know, what's your, you know, do you have a favorite genre or a favorite author or things that you you typically gravitate towards? Um, I I mean, Resonant was a good book for me to work on because that's actually kind of a genre that I really enjoy is, is survival horror. Oh, <laughs> so okay. That's that's uh, one that I I tend to like reading. Um, I do like a little bit of fantasy. Uh, I just started reading um, The Priory and the Orange Tree, which is like an eight hundred page fantasy epic fantasy about dragons um i'm i'm too early in on the book to really to really give a sense of whether i like it yet or not but okay. i kind of read a little bit of everything um but i do like a certain amount of escapism so i'm a big fan of fiction and, and uh some kind of fantastical elements usually a good time and like i said survival horror is is always kind of one i wind up being drawn to for some reason i don't know <laughs> Huh, oh yeah. yeah, all of it. I read everything. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm definitely a big fan of uh, 
escapism. Science fiction was always my, um, you know, my go-to in terms of any type of, any type of reading. And then still, any chance I get, any good science fiction is usually, you know, where I head. But I always like to talk about and hear what other people are, are reading and, uh, and into. Um, you know, in terms of your art, did you have any particular influences that you felt, you know, you saw when you were younger and felt that, wow, that is something that, you know, uh, that really made you want to do it, you know, outside of comics, like, were you somebody that would go to museums or look at art in terms of like art books? And, you know, when you were in college, um, you know, studying formal art or, or through your work at any galleries that where you found artists that you real that really appealed to you? Yeah, I mean, I, I think as far as comics go, when I started to sort of branch off from what I had been reading as a kid and what my brother was reading and was looking to find different kinds of comic stories, that was when I kind of started paying closer attention to the art. I think, you know, when I was a kid and I, I grew up reading Jim Lee's X-Men. So I think my drawing style when I was younger was very much influenced by Jim Lee. And as I started reading different kinds of stories drawn by a variety of different kinds of artists, then you kind of start pulling in from those artists as well. And one I always mention because it was such a big deal for me at the time was Phil Noto. When I was, I believe in junior high, um, he put out a book with Jimmy Palmiotti called Beautiful Killer. And it was a mini series. I think it was three or four issues. And it was about a spy, which is bread and butter stuff for me. I love espionage <laughs> stories. Um, and so I was immediately like, I had to read it. And it was a, it was a spy story about a girl who finds out that her parents are spies and they wind up, uh, this book's super old, so I don't think I'll be spoiling anything for anybody. No, you're but fine. <laughs> they, they wind up, they, her parents wind up dying. And so she's suddenly on her own, um, and she knows who killed them. And so she's on this vendetta mission to, like, avenge her parents. Um, and she's also been raised by spies. So they've been, you know, um, sort of covertly raising her with this skill set. You know? um, so she uses those skills to try to track down this guy that killed her parents. And, and I just thought it was so cool. And Phil Noto's style was so different for everything that I had been reading prior to that. So that was kind of a, a changing tide for me as far as what what I thought comics could look like and what I thought it could be about. And that kind of pushed me into wanting to make, you know, different story, wanting to make different kinds of stories as comics and wanting to draw differently and, and kind of shifting my, my, in, my inspiration, I guess, for how I wanted my artwork to look. So that was, that was I think, one of the biggest ones um, early on as I was kind of trying to decide if I wanted to make comics or not. But I mean, there's, I'm still constantly inspired by different people, you know. Um, I think when I had, I don't know when this was, maybe about 10 or 12 years ago, uh, I first actually discovered Becky Clunan's work, who was writing Pile of the Amazons. And right. that was like a game changer for me because she was putting out, she was putting out these small comics that she was having hand screen printed. 
And I think Wolves was the one that I found. And I don't even remember how I found it. I think it was like Blogspot back when Blogspot was still a thing. Uh, and she had been talking about, you know, how amazing comics were and that she was making these on her own. And that was kind of another, like another side shift of like, oh, well, I can do this on my own. You know, you can print these on mm-hmm. your own and, and sort of the, you don't have to go and work for Marvel and DC. You can make comics. You can make comics in your bedroom and you're a comic maker, you're a comic creator. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's, there's, I think inspiration happened the whole time from the second that I started you know, deciding that I liked comics and I liked superheroes and, and was watching X-Men the Animated Series to yesterday, constantly being inspired by, by other creators all the time. Awesome. I, I will say about Be- Becky Cloonan, I love her uh, by chance or providence. Yes, absolutely. That's, I think that's a three-story graphic novel. Um, yeah, I think Wolves is actually in that one as in well. In that one? Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, fantastic. Um, <clears throat> all right well i don't uh, i don't want to take up too much more of your time but uh i just uh want to thank you for coming on the show for the podcast and encourage everyone to uh i'll put links in the in the notes in terms of follow you on twitter and and head to your website and um be sure to check out uh the trial of the amazons and um skylar patridge thank you very much Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. (laughs) This is Byron O'Neill, one of your hosts of the Cryptid Creator Corner, brought to you by Comic Book Yeti. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of our podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. It lets us know how we're doing, and more importantly, how we can improve. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the Cryptid Creator Corner, maybe you would enjoy our sister podcast, Into the Comics Cave. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.